Raised by Spirit, Chapter 11 Companions and Our Contracts to Complete Cycles Returning to the evening of December 21st, 2020, Sekhmet relayed the following. This new age, or new awareness we are embarking upon, isn't about a world being literally split into two, where some ascend in the physical and some don't. You do not live in a simulation. That is a different approach to achieving the same old narrative through the acceptance and blind participation and integration of artificial intelligence and disconnect from the one supreme being of all. That thought process is patriarchal, dividing, and the old way of thinking, the way we collectively are moving away from and why we are breaking old cycles. This new age and new awareness is simply a new cycle. It is about gaining the awareness of self on a larger scale, thus allowing you to choose how you perceive your life experience, how you choose to perceive diversity in others around you and understanding your soul's journey therein. That perception to which you choose will determine where you are in the ascension process throughout entering said new age. That perception to which you choose will also determine where you are vibrating at, what level of awareness you have, or where your thoughts and feelings are operating at. This, as always, is never a race. We are always guided at our own pace. However, when we practice the following as we enter into the new cycle, this new age of heart-centered love and awareness, we allow each person, and eventually everyone, to live in peace, to energetically vibrate at higher levels collectively as we continue our journey to live in and experience life. This new age is being referred to as the fifth dimension. That is incorrect. We are collectively moving into the fourth dimension of mind, body, spirit experience while living in a heart-centered awareness. The practice of manifestation and meditation will allow you to reprogram your energetic frequency to higher levels. The goal being to raise the level of energy that you exist and live in to a heart-centered awareness. In time, this practice allows you to effortlessly live in higher vibrational frequencies. Meditation and manifestation are two main ingredients required to master as we enter into the new era and new cycle. They are required in order for you to achieve a state of mind or focused perception that is heart-centered. For hundreds and thousands of years, we manifested and co-created our reality, yes. Unfortunately, we have done so without much conscious intention, without being centered in the heart, and we have left that responsibility up to everyone else, such as elected leaders, to decide for us. Think about it this way. We've all heard the phrase, the real world doesn't revolve around you. But the thing is, no two people live in the same reality because no two people perceive life exactly the same way and no two people have the exact same journey. So the true reality is, we are all architects of our own perception. We are all manifesting and now taking the responsibility of our ability to choose how we co-create our own life experience, our own world, in our own reality. We are the one supreme being of all, experiencing life and the evolution therein as the many, collectively. Yes, we have contracts with other people or souls, 
who may have similar journeys, but no one is exactly the same as the other. With that said, the lower vibrational perception, thought process, and awareness of our life experience within duality that once placed us collectively in bondage is in a process where it is slowly being dissolved. We are simply moving into a time where more and more people are transcending lower vibrational energy by breaking old cycles through experiences, awareness, meditation, manifestation, and most importantly, choice. More and more people are walking away from old patterns, generational cycles, and lower vibrational ways of living. We are seeing and hearing of more and more people that have stopped trying to convince others around them because we are starting to remember that's not our journey to experience. That's not our lesson and participating in another's lesson prolongs us from our specific purpose, path, happiness, and journey back to oneness. Oneness has never meant being the same. Oneness is a void of consciousness containing everything and nothing. A heart-centered reality is the new cycle of experience we must collectively walk during our journey back to oneness of self. As the years continued to pass by after my mother moved out and disowned me in 2018, as you'll soon see, within the accumulation of seven years from 2015 to 2022, it seemed as though my awareness through not only the messages I personally received, but the messages that came through for others and the life experience I was required to go through in order to understand it all, were progressing so quickly it feels instantaneous looking back on them now and trying to put them in proper order for you all to understand fully. By design, we are required to have all our human dual emotions. This is unavoidable. It is one of the largest parts of this life experience. When I was going through this with my mother, I naturally felt angry and sad because of the circumstances. I remember shortly after she had moved out and refused to talk to me, I was lying in bed one night crying because of the severity of it all. And I remembered a technique a friend of mine had shared with me before. Now this technique can be used as a meditation or you can simply just take a moment, close your eyes and envision this. However, as I was laying in bed that night, I imagined my boys and my husband and I surrounded them in all the love I could possibly muster up. Once I did that, I then thought about a stranger, someone that I didn't know on a personal level. For me, I thought about the woman that works at the local coffee shop I would order my coffee from every morning. I then proceeded to do the same thing for her and surround her in as much love as possible. Finally, I envisioned my mother. Naturally, I found this more difficult to surround her in the same amount of love as the two previous groups, but I was able to do so. When I did this, there was a backdrop of a tree-lined forest, and initially, I only saw her silhouette. The more I sent love to her, the more I was able to see her clearly. And the best way that I can explain this vision is by referring to the movie Men in Black. In that movie, there were aliens that peeled down their human bodies and alien bodies came out. Well, in this vision, I saw my mother's physical body, her silhouette, and I saw it peel away and a light silhouette attempted to exit, but it couldn't exit because she couldn't fully make her way out of the physical body. And I didn't fully understand at that point what that meant. Sekhmet came through that night and explained that she too in this lifetime is going through her own lessons. And it's not personal, even though it feels that way right now. She said her soul is going through the process of its own journey and understanding. This by any means was not a new concept to me as I always had that knowledge in the back of my mind. However, it was a simple reminder for me. 
a reminder of the experience on a grander level that surpasses the emotions I was experiencing and perceiving. In May of 2018, we faced a loss so many of you can relate to, but this was our first experience in losing a four-legged family member. Now, the lessons and guidance throughout this time became, as always, tremendously helpful along the way. And throughout the years, we as a family, like so many of you, added four-legged family members to our family. We added four of them over the last 20 years. Our first is Turner. Turner was a lab retriever mix, and personally, I think Turner's story is quite amusing. For a brief period of time back in 2003, I was working at a veterinarian's office with John's wife, Rochelle, and one day, a litter of puppies from the SPCA came in for their first checkup, and there he was, the biggest of the litter. From the moment I laid eyes on him, I knew he was a part of our family. I called my husband immediately, asking as if it really mattered his answer if we could get a puppy. His response was no, so I brought him home anyways. Turner was the worst puppy, destroying everything equally. He wouldn't just chew one kitchen table chair, he would chew all of them equally. Perhaps he was a craftsman in a past life. There was no rhyme or reason of his puppyish destruction, but after his terrible twos, he became the protector and leader of the pack. Clearly, we couldn't have Turner without Hooch, so in 2008, we brought home a purebred old English Mastiff named Hooch. He is best described as Ferdinand the Bull. He was the biggest of them all, weighing 220 pounds and six foot tall when standing on his back legs, but he was also the sweetest and most gentle soul you could even imagine. He would stand in front of you, not allowing you to get past him until you gave him a hug and then he would move and let you pass. In 2012, we rescued Otis from the SPCA and initially we didn't plan on bringing another puppy home. We just went to visit the shelter, but when we seen this cute white and brown spotted pit bull puppy rescued on my husband's birthday at 10 weeks old, we, meaning I, decided it was also meant to be. Although we named him Otis, we should have named him Garfield because he's more like a simple and lazy cat whose job is to eat, sleep, and chase squirrels. Nonetheless, driving him home that day, he sat in the back seat with Jonathan with his bottom up in the air and his face down on the seat and clearly he was meant to be in our family lastly there's chief Chief's story is a little different. In 2016, I yet again was visited by John in a dream. This dream was quite simple, as they tend to be. However, John just simply led me downstairs into the kitchen of the big white house we were living in at the time and showed me a black and white pit bull sitting in the kitchen chair like a human would be. And all he said to me was, he's your guide. That morning, like always, I told my husband about my dream. And to my surprise, my husband had been chatting with a woman online that was trying to find a home for her four-year-old old black and white pitbull. As a puppy, he too was rescued from a shelter. Unfortunately, his first owner used him and other pitbulls for dog fighting. Badly wounded from being forced to fight, he was rescued again and placed back in the shelter. The woman my husband was talking to thankfully saved him from being put down and rescued him from there. But shortly after she saved him, she quickly realized he wasn't fitting into her family, more due to her living situation. Though this dog looked exactly like the dog John showed me in my dream, I was still skeptical for two reasons. One, I wasn't sure if he would get along with the three full-grown dogs we already had. And two, if I was being honest, I didn't know if I could bond with a dog that wasn't brought into the family as a puppy. Nonetheless, I agreed to at least try and see if this dog would be a good fit into our family. The day he was brought to the house and sat in our kitchen, he immediately came and sat next to me. Though his wounds were mainly healed at that time, you could see he had scars on his face, but mainly on his back end. The woman explained although he 
was in a fighting ring, he had more scars on his back end as they assumed he didn't want to fight and did his best to avoid it. None of that mattered though. Just like John said, he was mine and he became the fourth addition to our family immediately, bonding with the three other dogs. They called him T-Dog and T for short, but that wasn't his name. Like John said, he's your guide. So that day, he was given his forever name, Chief. Unfortunately, this great loss that I spoke of earlier occurred on May 3rd, 2018. Our old English Mastiff Hooch passed away at 10 years old in my husband's arms. Hooch's passing was not easy as they never are, but I remember sitting with him and my husband on the floor just crying our eyes out. We both knew it was his time, but for whatever reason, we also knew taking him to the vet wasn't going to happen. So we chose to sit with him and keep him comfortable until that time came. And how thankful we were to have shared 10 amazing years together. Within an hour or so of sitting with him, that time had come. And I heard Hooch say, you can leave the room now. It's okay. I'm ready to go. So I did. While my husband remained sitting with him, I walked out of the room, went outside, and said out loud to my father, please just take him. And within 60 seconds, my husband came up behind me and told me Hooch had passed. It's important to include, I was told intuitively a few hours later that those that have the strength to be with someone, human or otherwise, as they transition, hold the highest of honors in the spirit realm. I then relayed that to my husband and thanked him because I could not bring myself to handle it, and Hooch knew this. As I sat and watched my husband dig Hooch's final resting place, I saw a red-tailed hawk circling above us. Now, red-tailed hawks have always been the animal representation of my father, and I knew at that moment my father greeted Hooch on the other side. I was guided to bury Hooch with one of my favorite turquoise blankets and my favorite turquoise pendant. This particular pendant was sacred to me and one that I never took off. I used it throughout the years to help me speak my truth with honor and integrity. Unknowingly at the time, I later found out burying a loved one with turquoise was a tradition both from Native American and Egyptian ceremonies, representing a high status of that loved one both in the physical and in the spiritual realm. And lastly, I planted a rose bush on top of his final resting place so a part of his essence could bloom each year. Then, nearing the end of 2018, about six months after Hooch's passing, we woke up one morning and Turner couldn't walk, he wouldn't eat, and he wouldn't drink. This went on for days. As he seemed to get progressively worse, by the fifth day, we as a family were heartbreakingly preparing for his transition. While laying with Turner on the floor on that fifth day, I remember he said to me, I won't leave until I know you're safe and the ground is unfrozen. Now at the time, I did not understand what that meant entirely. It seemed semi-relevant in a way because Turner was more of a protector dog compared to the 200-pound Mastiff and two Pitbulls, and it was winter, but it still didn't make sense. As difficult as it is to remain in the physical while a loved one transitions home, I know from experience we cannot stop anyone from transitioning. Sure, we want to because we love them and we want to continue experiencing life with them. But to intervene in a transition to selfishly ask them to stay in the physical can and will cause more harm than good. Remembering this as I sat with Turner on that fifth day, I told him it was okay to go if he needed to. But I also told him he had to do this on his own. We loved him so much and I didn't want him to suffer, but we couldn't bring ourselves to put him down. Instead, I decided I was going to place my hands on his side in efforts to help him feel as comfortable as possible if it was indeed his time to transition. With each breath he took, I repeated peace, love, 
mercy, grace. And I did this for about 10, maybe 15 minutes. As time passed, his breathing became more and more shallow with longer pauses in between. And then all of a sudden, I heard this deep, loud wolf in the kitchen. I knew that bark, that was hooch. Clearly, mastiffs have a certain deepness to their barks, but my logic kicked in and I tried to figure out where that bark came from. I looked over to my left and Chief and Otis were fast asleep on the couch, so it most certainly wasn't them. I quietly stood up and went into the kitchen as if I was going to see Hooch standing in there, but nope, nothing. I then decided I was just going to prepare Turner some food. If I was being truthful, I did this to get the situation off my mind and logically it took a while for his food to soften and be ready for him to eat. As I did this, all of a sudden, I look in the doorway and the dog who didn't eat, didn't drink, or didn't walk in the last five days is standing there like, hey, you got some food? Because I'm hungry. And I was like, oh my God. I immediately called my husband and told him. And as the nights followed and days continued, he grew to be perfectly healthy again. And we were blessed with three more years. That brings us to April of 2021. My family and I were in the process of closing on our first home. It was at that moment I was presented with the opportunity to complete a contract and the possibility for them to unfold depended on my response. Apparently dating back lifetimes and extending generations both before me and after me, but we'll get to those details in just a moment and what all that means. Sadly, on April 13th, which is also my dad's birthday in 2021, after this miracle and being blessed with three additional years with Turner, I came home one morning after running a few errands and Turner had passed while I was gone. When I came home and realized he had passed, I called my husband hysterically in tears. While granted, yes, this wasn't our first loss of a four-legged family member, Turner was our first four-legged addition. We raised our family with old man Turn. He grew up with all of us. He had been through it all and he had seen it all. And although we had that prior conversation, I felt horrible that I wasn't there for him. Naturally, regardless of an ability to communicate with those on the other side and all the wisdom that came with it, there's always that thought that will cross your mind like, why didn't I get the heads up? Why didn't they tell me? As Turner's body still laid on my living room floor, I waited for my husband to come home, sitting upstairs, looking out the window, sobbing uncontrollably, only to hear my father say, check your loan status. So I did. We had quite literally just been approved with the commitment paperwork for the house purchase. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is more or less the final approval in the process of buying a house in New York State, which isn't the easiest thing to do. Prior to this point, the seller and bank can still back out or decline the selling and the loan. Secondly, while Turner's body was still laying on my living room floor, his spirit was coming to me. Every time I closed my eyes, every single time, there he was with his tongue hanging out and his tail wagging, as if to say, hey, don't worry, I'm still here. Now, some of you might be thinking how wonderful that is being reassured that he's there. But I assure you, it was not an easy thing to deal with being only an hour or so into grieving a physical loss of such a grand beloved four-legged friend. That day, he indeed did exactly what he said he was going to do three years ago. The moment our new house was legally solidified and the ground was indeed unfrozen on my father's birthday, Turner fulfilled his purpose. We were safe and the ground of our family's first home was dethawed enough and legally ours, granting us the ability to bury him there. Again, bittersweet, created with a divine design and perfect timing, all connected to a grander plan. That evening, the home we shared with him since we started our family 19 years prior seemed empty without him, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Not that night, 
or in the days that followed for that matter. Nonetheless, after we forced ourselves to have dinner together, my husband went upstairs in the room that our security monitors were in. He immediately comes back downstairs, opens the front door, steps outside, and then comes back in. And I thought to myself, what the fuck is he doing? And he said, come upstairs and look at what the security cameras are showing. I thought it was snowing. So I followed him upstairs. Was it snowing? Absolutely not. However, what we caught on camera, and only one camera out of the five, was a significant amount of orbs all flowing in the same direction, upward. It indeed looked as if it was snowing, but clearly it was not. And no sooner did that happen, and Turner appears before me yet again, with his tongue hanging out and his tail wagging. Feeling at an absolute loss for words or understanding, I sat down and I started to cry. And as I sat, Chief climbed up halfway on my lap, put his forehead to mine, and said, Don't cry, we're all fragments of the one. That statement, as always, didn't make sense at the time. But as you will see in time, I began to understand. Again, the loss of Turner was seemingly more difficult compared to Hooch. Not that the love wasn't equal, it was simply different because as time unfolded and more communication with Sekhmet occurred, I began to understand life on a grander scale and realized this was the start of a contract being presented. Towards the end of April 2021, Sekhmet returned with more messages. And for the record, I can't just summons her or Metatron or anyone for that matter. They come to me at the most random, not so random times, seemingly without any regard for whether or not I have a pen, a piece of paper, or a computer available to jot down the information they give. Nonetheless, Sekhmet started to describe contracts. She said, and I quote, It was around 430,000 BCE when we, the Council, were formed. We are the ones who were chosen by the one supreme being of all to oversee the contracts that were then required to be factored into the mind-body-spirit experience, third-dimensional reality. Prior to this, karma and contracts did not exist. Prior to that, you could compare a mind-body-spirit experience to a heaven on earth, Eden, Atlantis, or Lumerian way of life. However, the collective began a cycle that slowly shifted from a matriarchal way of living to patriarchal. At the time, within the mind-body-spirit experience, this distortion rippled throughout the collective yes. However, it merely prolonged the ascension process of a soul's journey throughout the space and time, but cannot halt the divine plan. This began the cycle where contracts were needed to restore the karmic balance and harmonization within the mind-body-spirit experience and the soul's journey back to oneness. You are just now collectively in the process of ending this cycle. In other words, around 430,000 BCE, we the Council were guided to create and use contracts in union with the cosmic universal laws, which now include karma, to each fragmented soul of the divine who are experiencing the mind-body-spirit portion of their soul's journey. The term contract is not what you use in your current era, like a government or legal agreement, or something that is positive or negative. A contract is a neutral energetic agreement presented when your frequency has the opportunity to align and evolve throughout time and space. You must remember, we are all fragments of the one as I relay the following. It was during this shift, a group of souls who supported a patriarchal way of life collectively and intentionally kept what once was common knowledge a secret and formulated a plan to use that knowledge, now referred to as secret knowledge, to harness as much energy as possible from the human life force or within the collective mind-body-spirit experience. You call this the fall of man 
and skewed religious texts with intentionally arranged incorrect timelines. Throughout time, this knowledge that has been hidden has been used to obtain and control excessive amounts of humanity's energy through the emotions. As time proceeded, the blind participation of this way of living grew and created more and more of a ripple effect throughout time and space, creating what you call generational cycles and a prolonged journey of the collective soul within the mind-body-spirit experience back to oneness. The mind-body-spirit experience was designed to naturally emit tremendous amounts of energy through the emotions that the body itself isn't capable of containing. Naturally, what the human body is unable to contain will be admitted back into the frequency of Earth, similar to the energy of a torus field. As electromagnetic beings, you are designed to be a contributor and a conductor, living at the level of your own independent frequency, always being guided and governed with the electromagnetic frequency of the Earth correspondingly. Likewise, things don't happen to you. They happen as a natural response to the thoughts and emotions combined with your soul's contract and what you've designed to present to yourself to achieve balance and harmony. These two elements are important to remember at this time. When a contract is presented to you in your experience, you can choose to resist it or respond to it. Resistance occurs when you are unable to see or be aware of the karmic cycle that formed the contract you designed to be presented and correct. Thus, a soul will remain in stagnation throughout all space and time until another opportunity to fulfill the contract is presented and the cycle continues until completed. However, responding to a contract allows a soul to ascend throughout space and time and evolve as designed. This guides your soul on the journey back to oneness. You may notice a shift of frequency when an opportunity to fulfill a contract is being presented to you. Your sleep patterns, stress levels, energy patterns, etc. may change and perhaps modern medicine is unable to provide you with solutions or answers. You may begin to seek higher levels of awareness. Some create an experience within relationships that are developed over time and in most cases lifetimes. Then as time passes that relationship fades or changes and although the relationship and experience will fade or change, all is held within your cellular memory and genetic makeup along with your emotional response lingering long thereafter. When an experience or situation is presented to you that seems uncomfortable or patterns seem to be changing, that is when a contract is being presented to you. The emotions experienced are what can and did create a deep emotional inner conflict and cycle, some of which have been carried on for lifetimes. When one fails to reach a higher level of awareness during a mind-body-spirit experience. Without a higher awareness, you will never understand the why behind the experience you designed to be presented and correct, all of which is held within your genetic makeup and the cellular memory to secure the divine plan of the soul's journey back to oneness of self. Therefore, contracts are presented to you throughout your human experience as you agreed them to be, likewise presented with a multitude of different timelines or paths. Some are predetermined yes, and some are fixed into place. Some are experienced to different degrees. When experienced to different degrees, you often call this free will. While that is a good term to use, they are more comparable to variations or flexibility of a timeline within a contract 
and the release of information to which is embedded in your genetic makeup and cellular memory. It was at that moment I understood, at the very least, why Chief said, we are all fragments of one. Why Turner said, I won't leave until you're safe. The animals that we love and who are brought into our life are equally as important as the people we experience. With equal roles to play and are by design brought into our lives to help us recognize and complete the cycles therein. Their souls, like ours, are but a fragment of the one. The experiences we have, especially the more difficult ones by design, are created to regain balance and harmony, just as described within the story of Sekhmet's creation and connection to Mayat. At some point along the way, we began living against the cosmic universal laws that were set into place. The creation and integration of karma and contracts have governed our life experiences ever since. As lifetimes pass, we have continued to incarnate in order to complete the contracts, in order to restore balance and harmony. However, the roles that we have formed and learned to place upon people from a patriarchal way of living has skewed our perception within our own soul's role purpose and our emotional response therein. These roles that have been placed upon our way of perceiving created a consistent lower vibrational emotional frequency that has kept Mayat, or Mother Earth, stagnant and unevolved, compromising our soul's growth and journey towards oneness. Collectively, we are now within a cycle of death and destruction of old perceptions and a patriarchal way of living. Again, why meditation, manifestation, and our sixth sense is all a vital ability to reconnect with. Within personal relationships we experience, it was also at that moment I was beginning to understand when we perceive something or someone to be good or bad. It is that lower vibrational emotion like sadness, anger, judgment, or hatred attached to the experience that keeps the veil from lifting distorting our ability to comprehend the true nature and experience and contract we agreed to complete within this lifetime. Again, this too creates a ripple effect of lower vibrational emotions and frequency we naturally are admitting back into the earth, collectively prolonging our own journey. For example, a mother figure has a certain expectation to meet and uphold based off society's unevolved way of experiencing and perceiving life. That expectation created within society has hindered the growth and awareness we designed as a soul to achieve because this patriarchal way of living and role we have placed upon a mother figure, more often than not, will not match her soul's contract and cycle to complete and restore harmony and balance. This too plays a large role in creating additional karma, trauma, and an uncompleted cycle to which will have to be repeated until balanced. Understanding the true purpose and soul's contract allows us the opportunity to respond. Responding to a contract when presented allows us to ascend at a faster pace into a heart-centered mind-body-spirit experience, rather than a continued prolonged journey within the third-dimensional mind-body-spirit experience of distorted dualism. While I understand this may be difficult to grasp at the moment, as this journey from 2021 and thereafter continues, you will see her messages, as always, are as grand as she is, propelling and preparing me for what was yet to come within my own generational cycle and within my own family's contract, allowing me to share it with as many people as possible, all with a grander purpose, which includes the ability to help others complete their contracts that they too designed and finally complete the cycles collectively, allowing us to ascend to a heart-centered mind-body-spirit experience or 
a heaven on earth.